Hey everyone, welcome to Midweek at the Compass. My name's Jake and I love that you're taking the time to join us each and every week where we have additional faith conversations based on what we're talking about with our weekend messages. Now, this beginning series is a little bit different because we're talking back from our Origins sermon series, which is the sermon series that happened just before where we are now. And we got to talk all things about our history here at the Compass Church. And today I'm excited to have you hear from Eric Fernelli. Eric grew up at the Compass, but ultimately ended up taking a role at our Three Rivers Now campus. But at the time, it was a church plant that stemmed from the Compass Church. So I'd love to hear more from Eric Fernelli, and I'd love for you to hear more from Eric Fernelli on his background, his history, what God has done, and what he's prayerful of God doing in the future. Let's join in with that conversation right now. Eric, thank you for taking the time to be here and to just share some stories today. I really do appreciate it. So I'm wondering, let's start at the beginning of your time at the Compass Church. Just when did you start and who was pastoring the church at that time? Yeah, I was a a young lad when I began at the Evangelical Free Church of Naperville. Uh, I don't really uh, remember anything else about my early childhood in terms of my uh, church experiences other than EFCN. And so I grew up there, was sort of a church brat because uh, my dad was on staff as the the worship pastor there for many years. So he led the music, directed the choir. And so we were around for a lot of things behind the scenes and, of course, attending church and and the different uh, kids programs and all the way up through our teen years as well. Now, there are some other twists and turns in the road there as my my father uh, explored some other ministry opportunities. Um, but uh, we sort of ended up back there. At, and uh, by the time uh, I was a young adult, I was uh, called away uh, to serve as a music pastor myself at uh, what is now our Three Rivers campus. And so that's where I sort of cut my teeth in, uh, in, in uh, ministry, uh, vocationally, and it was just a wonderful experience of being under Pastor Clem, who was the founding pastor of Three Rivers Church. And then after you were the worship director at Three Rivers, you ended up being the lead pastor there as well, correct? Sure, yeah. And, uh, you know, that's the more simplified way of looking at it. My, my, uh, I put on some different hats uh, during different seasons, doing youth ministry and uh, full-time uh, worship arts. And, and uh, then it turned into the, the lead pastor role. So it's been an honor to serve there. And I just have loved my experiences and just have so many amazing memories of of my years at EFCN. Well, good. So let's talk about some of those memories. What are some of your favorite memories at what is now, you know, our unified version of the Compass Church? Yeah, so the best I could do was come up with certain um, memories that were emblematic of what made my experience so great there. And so I would say my teenage years were the most formative spiritual years of my life. Um, And here's just one sort of snapshot. It was in a youth group. Uh, Completely loved the the program, just uh, life-changing, life-transforming. And um, uh, my, my friends were a huge part of it. It was so important that I had people like me that I got along with, 
that I can act like a dork with and uh, enjoy some of the same music and activities. And, uh, and yet, there was a genuine faith in God and a desire to grow in our faith there. And um, I, I could think of one experience at a, uh, a, a winter snow camp. Um, and uh, the, the evening session was particularly gripping. And um, I, my friends and I just sort of lingered in the room while everybody else sort of spilled out the doors into the evening winter wonderland. And uh, eventually it was just us. And, and I just remember pouring our hearts out to one another in, in a unique way, in a way that maybe we hadn't done as much before. Um, and it just really pointed to the fact that this was not just a, a group of, of uh, teens that were just all about goofing off and playing video games. And, uh, but we, we, we were really seeking after the Lord, and we were trying to encourage one another in that. So do you have any also you know, high point memories or good memories of your serving at our Three Rivers Church, Three Rivers Campus? Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> That's so hard. Where do I begin? Once again, I think an experience that sort of uh, exemplifies all that I love about the people of Three Rivers Church was when the building was being built, walking into those doors, this unfinished facility, and seeing uh, not contractors, but the people of Three Rivers Church, you know, up on the scissor lifts, you know, nailing the, the, every board into that ceiling, um, people laying carpet tiles, cutting uh, the ceramic tile. Uh, we, uh, we even uh, s- s- cut and soldered all our audio connectors. And, uh, you know, uh, there were people there serving food to all the volunteers. There were people walking the rooms praying uh, for the people who in the future would walk through those doors and the kids that would be learning the, the word of God in those classrooms. And I just think that that's such a wonderful thing. It, it, it sort of shows how something that I think we should always keep in mind, and that is that church is not like a weekend spectacle, but it is a time uh, for us to come together and see ourselves a part of it and, and, and realize that we are privileged to to bring whatever unique gift uh, and contribution that we can give. That's awesome. So just personal aside, before we keep going, like my church growing up was built the same way. It was not contractors. It was congregants getting together. See, I've met the people at Three Rivers. I don't have concern about that. But my (laughs) church growing up, I knew the people that were building our church. And I'm surprised (laughs) that it's still standing. To be fair, yeah. I mean, I think the contractors did, you know, the the lion's share of the work. But we did as much sweat equity as, as humanly possible. That's awesome. So there are great seasons in church life. There are also difficult and trying seasons in church life. I'm wondering if you might be able to highlight one of those seasons that you've personally had to experience at church and just ultimately how you've seen God be faithful even in the midst of it. Right. So the one that comes to mind is that, uh, speaking of the building of the building, right when we started construction, that's when the economic bubble burst in 2008 you know, there uh, around that time. And, um, and we had steel, like the steel beams were up. And all of a sudden, we are at this place where we had to renegotiate our financing. And I will, I'll spare you all the details, but um, at the end of the day, we had to 
we had to secure $500,000 extra dollars to complete the building construction. And there was no way that the, the bank would approve that unless we had more collateral. And so uh, how do you do that? Uh, well, um, that's when five members of Three Rivers Church offered their own houses as collateral so that we could complete the building. It's amazing. And I just think that it's such a, a great um, example uh, how God can use uh, adversity, um, those unexpected things, just to invite us to take big, bold steps of faith. And uh, the people of Three Rivers uh, rose to that challenge. That's fantastic. You know, sometimes adversity comes because of change, right? I think one of the constants of church um, is that Jesus is core and central and God is unchanging, but methods and strategies do change. I'm wondering if you could just speak to some of the changes just overall that you've seen uh, at the Compass Church in your duration here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the fun ones for me to talk about are the technology uh, changes because I'm kind of interested in technology. And so even just the way that we communicate has has changed just dramatically. Um, uh, I'm also really interested in music. And so uh, some of the developments there are, are, uh, are interesting to me. And so I remember being at EFCN, very traditional music. I, I love traditional music, um, but I remember when they started introducing contemporary music. And um, uh, one of the things that stuck out to me was that they, that they brought in an electronic drum set. Whoa, that's, <laughs> what do we do with that? How dare so, you? <laughs> I mean, that appealed to, you know, whippersnappers like me, because that was more in line with the, the kind of music that we listened to. But there was a little bit of a problem, and this is just the funny thing, and I brought a little prop with me, um, because they may have had a drum kit, but the the drum mix was, this is, by the way, what they used, um, the drum mix was so low that this really, you didn't hear a drum sound. This is really what you heard. That's very worshipful. Joyful noise, right? (laughs) That's right. Oh, boy. Um... Uh, the, the second example I can think of is when I first came to Three Rivers, which was in the year 2000. And I know that sounds pretty recent, but, but uh, Three Rivers was a little late to the digital projector game. Uh, and so uh, we were using still those overhead projectors for, for uh, song lyrics and for sermon lyrics. And so it's just funny to think that the tech team was doing this. You know, I, that, that's, that was their job, and this, sitting in front of the congregation. So, so my yeah. first serving role in any church was serving on the transparency team where yeah. you would change the song lyrics, and you had to slide it up as the song was moving mm-hmm. on. Very important, you yeah, know. People right. have to know what so they're doing. So people's heads aren't reading like this. and Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So let, let's talk about your role on worship and just what that was like. What changes, you know, you talked about you love classical and traditional yeah. Christian church music, and you've also enjoyed and served working with kind of a contemporary style. Just right. what sort of shifts and changes have you seen take place over the years in terms of worship styling? So I'll tell you, back in the EFCN years, one of the things that is incredibly meaningful, and I know it was a struggle for them to transition into more of a contemporary style, 
But one thing that was uh, very meaningful was that it gave young guitar players that were into grunge music an opportunity to serve in the church and to be in, in, uh, involved in ministry. And so by the time they weren't sort of freaked out by guitars, I mean, I was using my electric guitar on a Sunday morning. And I, I know I wasn't in it for all the, ra- the right reasons, but over time being discipled and following the example of other people, the adults in the worship ministries as well, it helped me de- develop a real heart for worship and why we were doing that. And my goodness, I, I, I'm not so sure if I would be even drawn into, if I would have been drawn into church ministry were it not for the open arms of a contemporary kind of uh, uh, music program at the EFCN. So I also remember your dad more or less saying that he was part of that whole process of moving towards a contemporary style of worship. Yeah. It's just a fascinating thing that, you know, a lot of us can credit our dads in our faith journey. Not everybody, obviously, but um, you almost explicitly can go back and say, were it not for, you know, you bearing the brunt of this to bring forth change, I might not be where I am today. Right. Yeah, the boldness of people willing to to step out in faith and to kind of make things a little bit uncomfortable, it, it, as long as it's going in the right direction, it can yield just beautiful things. It's just that time of struggle that's, that's the hardest. And so, um, yeah, I, I think that it was worth it in the end. So the Compass Church now has 70 years worth of history where we've seen God's faithfulness on display over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. So we've taken some time to look back. I want you to put on your forecasting hat and look forward. If we're to double the amount of time that the Compass Church has been around, what's your hope for the church? Yeah, I'm really hoping that we'll have a campus on Mars, actually. I love Uh, it. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) No, I'm I'm just kidding. Uh, You know, as we've talked about all these changes, the, the reality is there hasn't really been at the heart of this, much change at all, because we're still all about the Great Commission. We're making disciples and, and teaching people to, to follow uh, Christ every day and, and our normal everyday lives, not just going to church on a weekend. And so I think that I, I would love for people to say they never, they never lost the plot. They uh, never went after all these other things and certainly will adapt to the changes in the culture but the mission stays the same. Um, I also would pray that people would see the church as um, a place where people truly love. They certainly do everything that they do, not for their own glory, but because they love uh, our good shepherd and uh, they love the sheep and they love the lost sheep and the people that are wandering, that everything is done and love. I think that Jesus uh, would be uh, particularly glad to see that. And that's the kind of thing uh, that, as Paul writes, ends up being those precious stones, the gold, the silver, and the, you know, the kinds of things that will stand the test of time. Uh, but more than that, we'll, we'll uh, be standing after that final day. Awesome. So one of the things that we've seen play out over time is just 
having people intentionally involved in our lives and calling things out in our lives that they see God at work. Uh, you know, that's part of my story and how I got to where I am in terms of life and work and church and ministry. I'm wondering if you might be willing to share some of the people that have called some things out in your life that ultimately brought you to Three Rivers Church and being the lead pastor there for a season. And just the second end of that question is, how do you see us trying to continue to do that in other people's lives going forward? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we all need that. We all need people who will take the time, invest in us, and give us opportunities to grow and uh, Lord knows I've had all kinds of people doing that. Everything from, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, Rod Applington and JT Bean, you know, my youth directors growing up and Michael Thompson with the music ministry and some of the other adult leaders in that ministry as well. And of course, Pastor Clem of Three Rivers Church. I mean, I was an 18-year-old kid with hair down to my shoulders and he was looking for a music guy. What? <laughs> you know, I, I don't know if I would have made that higher if I were in his position, to be perfectly honest. I, um, I had a long way to grow. Well, I still do. But, um, but they were willing, all these people were willing to invest with me, listen to me, take those long hours of listening to, even especially as a teenager, all the things that sort of, were important to me, but they're just those little life things. And But then gently pushing me, nudging me to kind of envision something bigger, you know, that the Lord has something for you in his family, in his, in his church. And so what is that? And, and what are the ways that you can use your gifts and grow? So I'm just so indebted to all those people. So how do we continue to do that for people going forward? The people that we see ministry opportunities for, like how can we, how can we continue to work with them and give them the time and space to grow? Yeah, you know, it's amazing to think, I'm not that old. I've been doing ministry, I guess, as a job for 20-something years but over those years, like, how do you really know who's going to take? Um, you kind of see potential in people, and maybe it doesn't go the way you think. we, we got to be praying, like, Lord, who do I need to invest in? Uh, what, are, what are my 12 disciples, if you will, right? I mean, people have made that point a lot of times. Like, Jesus himself really just poured into these 12 guys, and certainly a minister to, to many others, but he spent a lot of time. And am I willing to then say no to certain other things in my life so that I can invest in the spiritual well-being of other people? That, that's a big ask for people in our uh, fast-paced society. That's great. I think we all have those moments for those that are heavily involved in ministry, whether you're vocational or not, when you kind of wonder or are, are sort of haunted by this question, am I nuts? And looking back at all the people that have laid this foundation of ministry, I think one thing that it does is give you a sense of stability and uh, confidence and, um, and making your life about the king and the kingdom. 
have to be honest, Eric Fernelli has been one of my favorite people to interact with on staff here over the last several months. And I'm excited for what God's gonna continue to do in his life, in his family's life, and in his ministry going forward. You know, we've heard from a couple of different senior pastors, but next week when we're together, I wanna have a conversation with one of our former elders. His name's Mike DeSanto, and Mike was pivotal in the launch of what is now our South Naperville campus. And he's also gonna let you in a little bit on what his tenure as an elder was like. He served nine years on our board and has some awesome stories that you are truly not going to want to miss. So join us next time when we have those conversations with Mike here on Midweek at the Compass.